Chapter Twenty Six of Mary Louise in the Country by L. Frank Baum, read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Chapter Twenty Six: The Plot. When they were over the stones and in the lane again, walking arm in arm toward the village, Josie's logical mind turned from her own failure to a consideration of the story her father had just told her. I can't understand," she remarked, "how Jocelyn came into this affair, what happened to him, or why he is once more the secret associate of old Cragg. Jocelyn said, "The old detective is a clever grafter. In other words, an unmitigated scoundrel. Now, do you understand?" "Not quite," confessed Josie. "He's Irish. Isn't his name Scotch?" "Yes, but Jocelyn isn't his name. If you're inclined to pick up his record and follow it through, you'll probably find him pursuing his various adventures under many aliases. He doesn't belong in this country, you know. Has only been here a few years, so his adventures probably would cover two continents." The fellow always manages to keep just within our laws, although sometimes he gets dangerously near the edge. The world is full of men like Jocelyn. They don't interest me. Then he belongs to the band of champions, asked Josie. Yes, in going over Cragg's books and papers in his private office the other night, I found sufficient references to Ned Jocelyn to figure out his story with a fair degree of accuracy, said O'Gorman. He was born in Ireland, got into trouble over there with the authorities, and fled to America. Where he met Annabel Kenton and married her, getting in touch with Old Swallowtail, he joined the Champions and attended to the outside business for Mister Cragg, purchasing supplies and forwarding them with money to the Patriots in Ireland. I suppose he made a fair rake off in all these dealings, but that did not satisfy him. He induced Cragg to invest in some wildcat schemes, promising him tremendous earnings which could be applied to the cause. Whether he really invested the money turned over to him or kept it for himself is a subject for doubt, but it seems the old man soon suspected him of double dealing, and they had so many quarrels that Cragg finally threatened to turn him over to the authorities for extradition. That was when our precious Ned thought it wise to disappear, but afterward another piece was patched up, owing largely to the fact that Jocelyn knew so much of the workings of the secret order that it was safer to have him for a friend than an enemy. I'm thinking of his poor wife," said Josie. Does she know now where her husband is? I think not. At first, in order to win the confidence of old Cragg, Ned applied considerable of his wife's money to the cause, and while she would probably forgive his defalcations, he thinks it wiser to keep aloof from her. She foolishly trusted him to settle her mother's estate, and I'm sure he managed to settle most of it on himself. His value to Cragg lay in his ability to visit the different branches of the Champions. Which are pretty well scattered throughout the United States, and keep them in touch one with another. Also, he purchased arms and ammunition to be forwarded secretly to Ireland. So you see, it was quite impossible for the old man to break with him wholly, rascal though he knows him to be. I see," said Josie. "Jocelyn has him in his power, entirely so. A hint from him to the authorities would result in an embargo on any further shipments to the rebels in Ireland, and so completely ruin the usefulness of the Order of Champions." The fellow seems to be a thorn deeply embedded in the side of Old Swallowtail, who will suffer anything to promote the cause of Irish liberty. Ingua thinks her grandfather tried to kill Ned at one time," remarked the girl. "It's a wonder with his rabid temper that he didn't do so," said O'Gorman. "But perhaps he realized that if he was hanged for Jocelyn's murder, his beloved order would be without a head and in sorry straits. Thousands of Irishmen are feeding the funds of the Champions, aside from what Cragg himself dumps into the pot." So the old fellow is in a respectable position and mustn't commit murder, however much he may long to, because it would jeopardize the fortunes of his associates. However, the end is not yet, and unless Jocelyn acts square in his future dealings, he may yet meet with a tragic fate.
"'I wonder what was in that package he took away with him the other night. I was sure at the time it was counterfeit money.' It probably contained the monthly printed circular to the various branches of the order. Jim Bennett prints them in that underground cavern, and Ned Jocelyn sees they are distributed. Well, said Josie with a sigh, you've pricked my bubble, Daddy, and made me ashamed. With all my professed scorn of theories, and my endeavors to avoid them, I walked straight into the theoretic mire and stuck there. O'Gorman pressed her arm affectionately. Never you mind, my dear, in a consoling tone. You have learned a lesson that will be of great value to you in your future work. I dare not blame you, indeed, for I myself, on the evidence you sent me, came rushing here on a wild goose chase. One never knows what is on the other side of a page till he turns it, and if we detectives didn't have to turn so many pages, only to find them blank, we'd soon rid the country of its malefactors. But here we are at the Kenton Gateway. Go to bed, Josie, my dear, and pleasant dreams to you. Will I see you again? she asked. No, I'm off by the early train, but you must stay here and have your visit out with Mary Louise. It won't hurt you to have a free mind for a while. He kissed her tenderly, and she went in. End of chapter 26. Read by Sibella Denton. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.